What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Rainbow. Let me do my little thirsty plugs before we get into this episode. Hello, my name is Elaine Chaya. If you don't know me, follow me on Instagram at Elaine Chaya, E-L-A-I-N-E-C-H-A-Y-A. I say that straight up at the start of the beginning of this episode because I love to communicate with you guys and I want you to DM me, send me screenshots, send me thoughts about these episodes because I love to hear your feedback. Make sure you subscribe to my podcast, write me a rating and review. You can follow me on Apple. Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, any podcast app, and make sure you share these episodes because it's so important to share these topics with all of your besties and all of your friends who are dealing with the same struggles that we all are. Okay, so for this episode, I'm super excited about it, as I say with every episode, but this one's pretty dope because it is my Valentine's Day themed episode, and if you know anything about me, you know I'm all about themes. So I was like, I need to get Cupid on this episode. Where can I find Cupid? And I'm like, oh yeah, I know who Cupid is in the Persian Jewish community. He goes by the name Rodney Robani. I've had him on an episode before. If you guys haven't heard that episode, where have you been? You can find the episode in the show notes if you haven't listened to it. And if you have, you already know that he is amazing and he has so much wisdom to bestow upon all of us. So I decided for this episode, it would be super fun to A, get some mission questions from you guys. So thank you for any of you guys who had given questions in to be part of this episode. You will hear them. And B, I was like, okay, let's do a theme about when you're first dating someone and how to go about that and how do you know if someone is the one? So this whole episode is about dating etiquette for guys and girls to know about red flags and about boundaries to set, all those fun things and more. So I think you'll really find this conversation very beneficial. And I mean, these are questions that I've always wanted to know about when I'm dating someone. So they're kind of selfish personal questions for myself, but there are also submission questions from you guys. So I think you guys will super enjoy. I'm gonna put Ronnie's Instagram, the Facebook page, the other episode we did and more in the show notes. So make sure to check it out. Again, make sure to DM me with your thoughts about this episode, if you loved it, if you hated it, what you wish you heard more of, and I will totally respond to you. So slide into my DMs. Oh, and by the way, we're going to have another episode coming up. So stay tuned. That'll be in a few weeks, but enjoy this one for now. Happy Valentine's Day. All right. I say this every time. I'm so excited, but legitimately, I don't think I'm just excited. I think the whole world and especially the Persian community is excited because I am back with our man, everyone's man, Rodney Rabani. Yeah. You're the first person I'm doing a repeat guest with. No so, way. Yes. Way. So you know what? This is a big deal. I'm so honored. Typically, I do a monologue intro, but I'm just going to have everyone have a homework assignment to go listen back to our first episode where I do my monologue intro about you. You're an amazing therapist dating coach, dating guru, founder of Question of the Day that's major on Facebook. You're everything and more. I look to you as someone who really digs deep into all things dating specifically. So this is going to be our Valentine's Day themed episode. So I'm like, obviously, I need Rodney Rabani for this. Actually, also something else that's extra special is that I never ask people for opinions about questions that I'm going to ask for the podcast episodes. But as my mom said after our first one, that episode was so hot and everyone (laughs) was talking about it. And literally, it was Yom Kippur right after I posted to this parents wow. were coming up to me and being like i listened to that episode oh wow and a lot of people are like well i wish you talked about this and i wish you talked about that so i got very inspired i'm like okay ronnie you and i we're going to ask people what they want us to talk about right. so we asked for some submissions so we have a lot of questions and i'm actually going to break this out into two podcast episodes so we get more ronnie for the price of one <laughs> okay so since this is valentine's day themed we're going to talk about dating when you're first going out with someone boundaries and red flags and how to know when you're dating someone seriously if they are the ones. So are you ready for the ringer of questions, Rodney? Let's go. And actually, I really like doing this with you because mm-hmm. not only are you a therapist and a dating guru, but you're someone my age. So I feel like I'm also asking like my brother, like, <laughs> tell me what guys are thinking because yeah. I don't know. <laughs> 
Okay, first question. If a girl likes a guy, and these are also submission questions, but also personally, I need to know for myself. If a girl likes a guy, can they make the first move? Is that too much? Is that too aggressive? I've added guys on Facebook that I like, for example, and my friends are like, okay, you just killed that relationship. That's never going to happen. Why did you even do that? They should come after you. That's an example. So the question is, can girls make the first move? Yeah, and how so? Great question. So I'm more of a traditional guy, and I'm all for the guy initiating the date or asking the girl out, or getting the girl's number. Does that mean that the girl can't make the first move? No. It just has to be very indirect. So I'll give you an example. Girls can make the first move, but this is what it would look like. Imagine being at a club, and you see a guy that's cute. Instead of walking up to the guy and saying, hey, you're cute, can I get your number, blah, 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 I would make it more low-key. Maybe you could buy a couple drinks and ask him to help you carry the drinks back to your table with your friends. Just to give him the opening to make the first move. So you're kind of doing it subconsciously or indirectly, and you're letting him think that he's actually making the first move if he talks to you and gets your number. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've heard the handkerchief ways from back in the day. Do you right, know this? Right, right, right. Exactly. Where the ladies drop the handkerchief in front of the guys like it was an accident, but they purposely did it in front of the guy they wanted to pick it up. Exactly. Which Matthew Hussey, he's huge. How to get the guy. He actually discusses this in depth, dropping the handkerchief. And he actually gives this exact example of being at the bar and getting drinks and asking the guy to help you. So you're not asking him out. You're just giving him the opening to ask you if he can get your number or take you out or whatever it is. So you just got to be kind of smart with it. Don't initiate directly but give the guy the opening that hey i'm down or i'm interested something like that so adding someone on facebook or instagram or messaging them is a no-no i think that's okay adding is okay or on a story you could leave a harder a reaction on a reaction. story mm-hmm. cool that's fine but i would say again i think it's okay if you add or like and all that social media is great dating apps i'm not the biggest fan but you know it can work i'm all for meeting someone in person and i think it could be a lot more effective what you do in person rather than social media so if you do like a guy fine you want to add him as a friend cool but i wouldn't say that's the best approach i would wait until you can run into him in person we live in a big and small community there's so many of us but we're all intertwined and enmeshed you're bound to run into the guy i would wait until that opportunity to make a move if it's like dropping the handkerchief like you said or the bar example or you know asking him to take a picture of you with your friends just to give him an opening and that way he thinks that he's actually making the first move all right now woo woo you got your first date with this person (sighs) the age-old question the bill arrives what do you do does a girl offer to pay does a guy want that to happen if he does ask you to pay for half of it if you offer is that bad so again i'm traditional i'm open-minded but i like the traditional rules i think the guy has to fucking pay sorry if i'm cursing it's such a problem i can't believe it there are guys my clients tell me i hear it all the time not all the time but i've heard of dates where 
after the guy asks the girl to split the bill. Listen, this first impression, you want to pay for the bill. You want to establish that you can provide that security. I really believe men are attracted to nothing more than feeling confident. So if you really want to keep your guy, you got to make him feel confident like the man. And for a woman, you have to make her feel secure emotionally, financially, intellectually, physically, whatever. Here's a perfect opportunity for you to show her that you want to take care of her paying for that first bill it's not a sexist thing or anything like that i think for a relationship to really work there has to be that dance of feminine and masculine energy and roles go with that so there's some roles have to stick this is just my opinion some people might disagree but there has to be some roles and there has to be some distinguished acts between the sexes do you think a girl should offer to pay great yeah i think no matter what the girl should offer to pay and that's just a sign of a respect or thank you it's such a small gesture but it goes a long way the guy should decline but girls should offer and i was talking to a girl about this who was like well i'm in college right now and these guys in college don't have really money to pay for this stuff and they've been like oh we'll split the bill is that bad what should you do if you're younger and you don't have the money to maybe pay for these dates look i get that totally sorry if you can't afford a first date whatever it is slice of pizza to mastro's dinner to a picnic at a park you shouldn't be dating bottom line it's not about the money it's about putting the work into it the effort to taking the girl out and providing for her and showing her that you can take care of her that's what it is you can't afford a nice dinner that's fine set up a picnic or get some sandwiches whatever it's not that expensive and then okay the date comes to an end and the guy leans in and wants to give you a kiss what are your thoughts on kissing on a first date I think that physical connection, intellectual connection, and emotional connection are really important. Unfortunately, if you establish a physical connection from the beginning, it kind of blinds you from the intellectual and emotional connection. So I always tell people, chill on the physicality and the sex and all that. So you could see if you emotionally and intellectually connect with the person. If you're really vibing with the guy or the girl really hard on the first date, okay, a little peck, a little kiss, it's cool. But I wouldn't go further than that. It's not about you're going to hell if you have sex or whatever. I'm not coming from like a religious standpoint or anything like that. It's more about boundaries and this is what would be best for you keeping that boundary of physicality to make sure again that the emotional and intellectual connection is there before you establish a physical connection and do you think that guys don't take a girl seriously they're not looking for something serious if they're trying to kiss you on the first date so if a guy is trying to kiss you you think it wouldn't be serious yeah they're not taking you seriously no I think that, listen, we're physical creatures. I wouldn't correlate it to that. No. If he's trying to take you home to smash, that's a different story. But if he's trying to kiss you or hold your hand or maybe give you a little hug, I would say he's into you. I wouldn't say he's trying to use you or anything like that. Okay, now the date comes to an end. You really like the person and now you're waiting for them to text you. First of all, I've had a debate with this with my friends. Is it bad for a girl the next day text and say thank you for the date? No. Love the idea. Should girls do that or is it not necessary? Look, who the fuck am I to say what you should or shouldn't do? Okay? I know, but tell us, Ronnie. We want to know your opinion. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. But yeah. it's not bad if you do it. No. People have been like, why did you do that? No, I don't think it's bad. I think it's even okay doing it after the date when you get home. Is there like a rule book for how long you should be waiting for a guy to text you for the next date? 
There's no rule, but... What's bad if, if you don't hear from them by when? Listen, if the guy isn't texting you the next fucking day, if a guy's into you, he's all over you. Guys, they're black and white. He's down, he's gonna hit you up the next day. If he hits you up 48 hours later, okay, I'm not saying he's not down, he's not into you, but I would say max shouldn't be more than 48 hours. Yeah, two days. But again, you'll know if he's interested, he will hit you up the next day. No games, none of that bullshit. He will try to get in touch with you and he will try to make plans or just talk to you if he likes you and i've heard this whole 80 20 rule that guys at the beginning should make 80 percent of the effort and 20 percent should be the girls do you believe in this what do you think about what this? the hell does that even mean sorry like 80 percent of the effort in the beginning of a relationship should come from the guy like making plans reaching out doing all the things and 20 percent should come from the girl I, no i don't agree Oh, you don't? Zero, no. I mean, what does that even mean? Like, Girls need to play a game. Play a game. They can't be too there, too available, and the guys should be running after them because they need a chase. Mm, no, no, no. Listen, if a guy is vibing off you because there's a chase, that's not the right guy. That's a boy. That's not a man. A man will like you because of you, not because of the games you play, not because of the runaround and whatever. A man will take you out because intellectually, emotionally, and physically, he's into you. No other reason. Listen, games, okay, minimally fine. You know, for the rest of your life, even when you're married, there has to be a little tug of war there, a little bit of games. But if you're playing that game super hard to get the guy, you have to maintain that. And it's very draining and very hard. If a guy is going to fall for you because of those games, you got to play that shit for the rest of your life. You want to be yourself. You want to be real, straight up, straightforward. Put the cards out. Don't make yourself too available. Have some boundaries. But I'm not for those games, honestly. I think when it comes to asking out, the guy should be in charge of that, at least for the first three dates. But when it comes to calling or texts, I would say 60-40. I wouldn't say 80-20. You want to let the guy know, like, hey, I'm doing something right. This girl's down. She's interested. You don't want to like, be too MIA or stealth, you know? Yeah, so 60-40. But still, you're saying guys should make more of the effort. 60-40 is only because the guy should initiate the date. That doesn't mean the girl can't text or make a midday phone call just to see how the guy is doing. Is it bad if she's like, we should hang out again? Should you not say that until date number three? No. You should make it clear that you're interested in talking to him by, again, like initiating a text after the first date or maybe like a phone call. But if the guy is down, he'll take you out. You don't need to say we should hang out again. Mm -hmm. Now, I love your Instagram page. Your quotes like speak to my soul and also remind me that I'm doing things wrong sometimes. So one of them I'm going to quote that says, first date question, and you captioned it, don't actually ask this, but you said, how aware are you of your past traumas and negative experiences that have created suppressed feelings? And tell me how you are actively working to heal them before you try to project that shit on me. Now, how do you go about when you're dating someone? Obviously, you said you can't ask that but figuring out if they're dealing with shit that you don't want to be a part of obviously you can't do that on the first date it's going to take time to figure someone out like that it's a series of things that have to happen look dating is a risk a risk of getting hurt 
a risk of getting fucked over. And what you want to do is minimize that risk of getting hurt as much as possible. The way to do that is to establish boundaries. That's why I said keep the physicality out for as long as you can. Or meeting the parents and all that stuff shouldn't happen early on. It should take time. You need to get to know the person. With time, things will come up. You'll get to know the person much better by asking questions about the person's values, beliefs, interests, their goals. You shouldn't do that in one night or one week. It takes time. It should take a month, two months to really get to know the person. And if they have any blocks or shit that you don't want to deal with, it takes time. Just got to ask the right questions. And what are some other boundaries that people should set at the beginning? Anything that you can do to protect your mental, emotional, and physical well-being until you feel really safe and secure with the person trust your intuition and your gut whenever you feel really safe that's when you could let go just a little bit typically that takes time takes a couple months like meeting parents you want to hold off on that for at least a couple months three months meeting friends you want to hold off on that maybe a month and a half two months you don't want to see each other five times a week because you don't want to grow that attachment early on things like that if you're just mindful of your own well-being overall you'll know where the boundaries should be set and it's different for every relationship and it's different for every person now the concept of red flags you've done a lot of posts about if you see red flags run away what are some concepts or ideas of red flags that people should look out for I think this would be probably the biggest red flag if someone is so blind to a existing issue and is not willing to work through it that's a red flag so many things can fall under that like if someone is an addict and they don't want to receive the help that's a red flag but if they're in recovery it's all good if someone has a crazy mom who's super involved and controls the shit out of them that's a red flag but if they've done their work they're in therapy and they've established a boundary with their mom it's all good you know what i mean it can show up in any way but what's important is to see how just like that quote how much is someone actively working on their shit and if they're working on it you should give them a shot now okay you're dating someone you've passed the three dates you like them okay cool how do you know rodney if they are the one for you okay i don't believe in that whole idea of the one total bullshit you're not gonna meet someone and be like oh this is the one this is it doesn't work that way but it does in the movies right there's actually this movie it's called the five-year engagement have you heard of it yeah have you seen it i can't remember look movies are bullshit but i learned a lot from that movie actually there's two people in that movie jason siegel and emily blunt uh-huh. these two perfect on paper like perfect match they die for each other they love each other everything's cool whatever they get engaged okay the night of the engagement toast jason siegel's best friend which is played by chris pratt complete opposite he doesn't have his shit together he's a slob him and emily blunt's sister who happens to be super like high society from england really really clean cut proper and all that they have sex the night of the toast she ends up getting pregnant this movie shows how Emily Blunt and Jason Siegel, who are perfect on paper, their entire engagement unravels. It goes to shit. That's why it's called the five-year engagement. Meanwhile, these two, who have nothing in common, Chris Pratt and the other girl, they have the most beautiful relationship in the world. And it's because they made a decision to make it work. 
even though they were opposites, there was something bigger at hand, which was this baby that they're going to have now. They did everything they could to make it work. And Jason Siegel and Emily Blunt, who were perfect, they couldn't make it work because they just weren't on the same page. So when we talk about the one, I think some things have to be there and I'll explain really quick. But it's really about finding someone who's willing to make it work with you just as much as you are. I think intellectual connection, physical attraction, and the person's personality, you have to like enjoy the person's personality. Those three things have to be there. Above all, the willingness to make it work. That's how you know. After the first three dates, those things are there. You move on to the next series of things, which is values, beliefs, interests, and goals. Once all those things are crossed off, that's the person. Hannah Levitan, if you know who she is, she mm-hmm. has a book, I Only Want to Get Married Once. Yeah. I interviewed her on a previous <laughs> podcast episode. Go listen to that. How she's va- amazing. She's amazing. She talks about how values is the number one thing before interests and goals to mm-hmm. have in common to start a foundation. Do you agree with that? 100%. And to take it back, before you are seriously dating someone and they are the one, when you're first now becoming... A little more of a thing and you really like this person and you want to make it official how do you go about making it official does the guy need to bring that up does the girl you mean like establishing if you're exclusive yeah. i never understood i guess there's a difference between being exclusive and boyfriend and girlfriend i mean in this day and age people say like they date three people at one time so it's how do you make crazy. that person your person only i think you just know if you're questioning where things are going then there's an issue honestly you just know that it's there but regardless i think there doesn't need to be a real talk hey what are we just picking up on words you know i hear from people who come here they ask me like how do i know should i ask him like no just chill and let's see what happens and then that week the guy he'll introduce the girl as his girlfriend how if you run into a situation asking for a friend not me but like really a friend (laughs) Um, they've been in situations where they've been dating someone and they are exclusively seeing each other but he doesn't want to call her his girlfriend then fuck off what the fuck what do you mean like he feels weird about it he feels like maybe girlfriend means marriage in his mind then he's a commitment phobe if a guy wants you he'll make it really clear there's no question about it or there's no ambiguity about it you'll know that's simple if you're questioning like what are we where's this going am i his girlfriend after months after at least like two two and a half months there's a problem you said it not me okay cool how about if you're dating someone no one's perfect right everyone has flaws but how do you know what flaws are the ones to work with and work through and when you should just end a relationship look everyone has deal breakers you gotta check in and see what your deal breakers are everyone's different someone who's religious for example or observant they keep kosher they need someone who keeps kosher that's a deal breaker for them there's no compromise that's it so you have to kind of check in and see what you're okay with and what you're not okay with shouldn't be more than three to five things if your deal breakers are a list of 10 to 15 things you gotta shorten that shit it's different for everyone let's say for example your deal breaker is height the guy has to be six feet tall then that's that there's nothing you could do about it that's something internally that's your thing you keep it you hold on to it don't compromise it but you don't think that's such a physical thing that's not as important as values? It's different for everyone. For someone, height might be really, really, really important. And it's tied into other things. 
Maybe the girl got bullied when she was younger for her height. It just represents something else. Moving away from physical features. How about if there's like a personality issue that is kind of not meshing with you? How like if what? that's the way someone's manners are and it bugs you. They're not thoughtful enough for you and in a way that's important for you. Or being friendly with your friends. I'm just making stuff up. But if there's things about the person like qualities that kind of aren't there and you wish were there. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I do. If everything else is lining up, if emotional is there, intellectuals there personalities there the things you're bringing up don't really fit under values interests or goals it's like this gray area if all those other things are lining up then let that shit go who cares he didn't say hi to your friends i know it bothers you communicate about it talk about it but if you're gonna pick at all these things you're screwed because no one's gonna be perfect and to go along with that someone had asked this as a question an introvert and an extrovert if you're someone who's an introvert or something and you really want someone who's an extrovert but you're dating someone who's also an introvert like you and really quiet and makes you therefore even more quiet do you think that's a problem that you do need someone who is that opposite that you're looking for to bring that out in you again if that's a deal breaker for you if that's something you need then no you can't compromise but if it's something you're okay with only you can answer that no one can answer that any combination can work and honestly i don't even think this whole idea of introvert and extrovert is kind of bs it's like a real surface psychology term again if your values interests goals and all that stuff align forget about the whole concept of introvert and extrovert now people look at you probably and like oh my god ronnie he's a therapist he's a dating guru everything like you probably don't have any problems in your relationship when you do because i'm sure you do because we all do how do you deal through it and do you have an example of something that happened that you could share and how you guys work through it you and your wife wow you're really putting me on the spot now okay um yeah of course my wife and i were not perfect we argue well first off arguing is okay there's nothing wrong with arguing it's about how you fix it it's about how you heal the situation it's about how you make up you can have arguments and my wife and i we do but what gets us through is being able to turn to each other and taking turns if it's one-sided it's not gonna work turn to each other and apologizing or taking accountability or responsibility for something we might have done wrong that's what's really helped us trying to think of something that happened recently the other day i yelled at her i don't remember what it was about and i was being triggered by something else and i realized an hour later i turned to her and i'm like hey sorry about what i said sorry for yelling at you we hashed it out it was a repair and john gottman who's the father of relationship advice he talks about repairs and how important it is it's okay to argue as long as you repair after can't be one-sided has to be both people that is huge i think that has helped us a lot putting our pride aside and being responsible and accountable for what we do wrong and also we still go to couples counseling we've been going since before marriage and it's the best thing ever i vent about it to my therapist and she does the same done it's over so highly 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 recommend everyone if you haven't already premarital counseling and marital counseling it could be a therapist social worker id phd or even a coach that's what i do now i'm a life and relationship coach if you really want to keep things fresh and healthy definitely definitely highly recommend doing some type of counseling i love it and this doesn't have to do with dating but it was a submission question i feel like it's super important especially in the persian community with all that's happened with kobe and his passing i think that really has affected a lot of people it even affected me and i'm not a huge basketball fan how do people go about dealing with grief in a healthy way Wow. 
this really affected the city, the world. And I think a lot of people in the community really looked up to him, especially the Persian males. To answer your question, everyone grieves differently. Like for me, it hit hard. This guy was huge for me. I didn't talk about it as much as I wanted to over social media because that's how I grieve. I like to kind of be more subtle with it, talk about it with my closest friends. My wife cried the other night again for the fifth time to one of my good friends. Some people are different. Some people like to blast on social media. Some people want to join the groups to talk about it some people want to keep watching videos i think again everyone is different everyone grieves differently but to not internalize to get it out to seek support whatever that could be to you you could talk to just one friend even but just not hold it in discuss it feel it don't push it aside embrace it process the feelings that goes for every grieving process it can be a death like kobe or a family member or even the end of a relationship, a breakup, you got to grieve that shit too. Okay, so to just wrap up this episode, this is about, you know, dating and first dating and all that kind of stuff. What's one final message and takeaway people should take when they're first dating someone? The most important thing is, I might have even said this in the last episode, I don't remember. If you want a successful relationship or marriage and you're seeking someone who's healthy-minded, you got to be that too. That means you got to do your own work. You got to do your your own growth process or whatever you got to seek your own therapy you got to exercise you got to do all those things you're looking for you got to be it you can't just want it i think a lot of the issues with dating now is that people have blocks and trauma and walls that are holding them back from real connection i even made an online course it's called i'm tired of shitty dating which discusses all that and i think that's the biggest problem with dating now people aren't doing their own individual work if you want things to change you want to snap that streak of weirdos you've been dating or there's a blind spot you're not seeing you got to do some work you got to uncover your own shit things will change i love it heard it from rodney first all right thank you so much everyone please stay tuned for the next podcast episode that will go up in a few weeks thank you rodney for this one my outro that i do each time is until next time so do you mind saying until next time until next time Oh, 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 oh,